Are you still walking along the path to find out what your life's mission is? It may be closer than you think. Welcome to Mission Possible Program with your host, Carol Ann Fernandez. Everyone has a true calling. Join us now and find yours. Now, here is Carol Ann Fernandez. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mission Possible program. Glad to be with you. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, and the author of the book, Mission Possible, How to Step into Your True Calling. My guest co-host today is a dear, dear friend, Miss Lynn Fisher. Lynn Fisher's passion for art, nature, and travel has been the cornerstone of her journey. Through a rich and diverse career in the arts, she has witnessed the power that art brings to empower and heal. Lynn's fascination for textiles blossomed into a long-standing career in home furnishings, where she worked with notable designers, including Raymond Waits. A love for Mickey Mouse led her to a successful 10-year career at the Walt Disney Company. As creative director in the Consumer Products Division, she spearheaded innovative design programs that brought new energy to licensed brands. Driven by a desire to give back, Lynn later stepped into the nonprofit arena where she facilitated art workshops to survivors impacted by trauma and violence. She has devoted herself to making a difference and opening people's hearts to their greater potential. Lynn is an adventurer at heart and has traveled throughout the world in search of greater inspiration and connection. She is excited to share the wisdom she has learned along the way. Welcome, Lynn Fisher. Thank you for joining me today on this wet, rainy, cold Los Angeles day. And Carolyn, oh, go ahead. I just wanted to say it's a really a privilege to be here um, to help you support your work in getting out there. So I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm thrilled to have you here. I must say that I am—I uh, was sick for two weeks. I had uh, laryngitis, and then I had a really bad cough, and I'm still not out of the woods yet. Uh, this morning, I woke up with a really bad sore throat, and my ears were blocked and uh, sniffling. So I'm recuperating from that, and I think you have been as well, but here we are. Yeah, no, I have too, and I'm at the—I think I'm in my— fifth week of it, but I'm definitely over the hump for sure, so I'm just taking care of myself, and I think this show we're doing today is definitely for the, for the heart and soul, you know, it's very, very important, so, you know, I, I just am, again, I want to just tell you um, how much it means for me to be here. Uh, we've known each other for many, many, many years. And I've seen you put your heart and soul into this work. And it's so important for me to be here to help you and support you in getting it out there to a broader audience. Uh, so I first wanted to start off by just saying um, how moved I've been by your show so far. It's really touched me. And it's been so inspiring to hear your guest's personal journey and how their missions have unfolded. It's been a real testament to the creativity and brilliance of our community and has really helped me personally to self-reflect on my own personal mission and what I'm here to contribute. So a thank you for that. And 
But with that said, I'm really clamoring for more, and I want to hear more from you and the wisdom you've learned along the way. Um, We have been through a lot together in the years we've known each other, and I've done a lot of work healing some childhood trauma that I've experienced in years of depression, and I've shared a lot with that with you along the way, um, and there have been times where I've lost hope and had this sense of who am I, what am I meant here, what am I here to do, and you've been the one person that has always in a really genuine and real way helped me to see who I am, to acknowledge my gifts, to embrace my value, and to have more of a sense of why I'm here. You have such amazing insight, and you've helped me to, to find the threads. Even when they've been, when I have lost my way, you've been able to find the threads and help me to get back on track. And I've seen you do that with many, many, many people. And during this time where people are feeling so, have so many questions, it's really important uh, to give you a platform so that you can actually share the wisdom and the insights that you have. And that's what we're going to do. That's why I'm here um, we're going to do it a little differently than you've done it before because I'm going to ask you some very basic questions, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing how this unfolds. Well, thank you for sharing that, Lynn. I really, really appreciate that. And yeah, let's see how it unfolds. Yeah, so so we're going to start at the very beginning. Um, when I was growing up... Um, I had a lot of questions being an artist, um, growing up in a family that was very much, you know, my father was a doctor, my brother was a lawyer. It was very much what you do is who you are. And I had a lot of questions that I've carried through my life. Um, like, who am I? What, what is my purpose? And I also have seen, like, in, in the world today, there's so much... Like, find your purpose is is almost a buzzword now, and everyone's talking about it, but I don't know if everyone's clear about how to get there, what it means, how to find it within yourself. So my first question to you is, if you could just define what you mean by, what is your definition of purpose or mission? So... It's the thing, so from my perspective, it's the thing that we have come here to do. It's, to me, the contribution that you alone are here to make, whether it's large or small, locally or globally, by means of your unique gifts, talents, and capacities. And so regardless of your age, your gender, your race, your economic status, or level of education, from my perspective, there is something exceptional that each and every one of us can do that hasn't been done before, that the rest of us cannot do, see, or express in quite the same manner. And to me, one's mission is the next stage of one's evolution. It's like the caterpillar becoming the butterfly. Wow. Great. Thank you for, for that. Um, 
I'm aware that some people come in knowing what they want to do from an early age, and they have the ability and the support to see it through. And I'm also aware that there are others, like me, who have had questions and are sometimes even struggling to find their way. From your perspective, does everybody have a mission? Yeah, so from my perspective, I really believe that everyone does. And um, so for me, it's a resounding yes. And I, I want to expound on that from two different perspectives. So from a metaphysical perspective... I believe that we are spiritual beings having a human experience and not the other way around. We choose to incarnate. We choose to come in with a mission. We choose the circumstances that will best support us in bringing our mission forward. So from my perspective, each and every one of us is born loaded and coded with a mission. But let's say you are not metaphysically inclined And you've never heard that phrase, that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. I would tell someone to just pay attention to their lives because their lives are presenting them with clues about their mission. So you can find clues from your parents. There are clues to be found from your childhood. There are clues to be found in the passions and interests that you have. There are clues to be found in your gifts, talents, and capacities. There are clues to be found in your life experience. And so all of those things uh, are leading you toward your mission. And from my perspective and over the decades worth of research that I've done, I've seen that there is a defining moment that really propels one forward on one's mission and purpose. So to answer your question, yes, 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 I believe everyone has a mission. And it could be, uh, again, it could be small, it could be large, it could be, you know, locally, it could be globally, but everyone has a contribution to make. Wow, that's really, that's really great to hear and so heartening to know. And I think while we may, some of us might know that intellectually, sometimes it's hard um, to connect to that within ourselves. Um, And so just to know that and you believe that and you've seen that through all your research is really, um, as I said, it's very heartening. So uh, from your perspective, what are some of the benefits of stepping into your mission, both on an individual level and also in the broader, more global sense? Why is actualizing our mission important? So from a personal level, I I think there are many positive benefits to actualizing one's mission. Um, You can have a deeply meaningful and fulfilling life. You can be supported financially, meaning you can make money doing the thing that you have come here to do. Uh, You can be seen, heard, and appreciated for your gifts, talents, and capacities because your mission is an extension of who you are. Your mission is an extension of your authentic self. Uh, You can come here to make a, via your mission, actualizing your mission, you can make a difference in the world. You can be of service. You may just leave a powerful, luminous legacy for generations to come. I believe that you can be healthier, and we'll talk about that a little later on. 
and it gives you purpose. It, it's something that sustains you. It tethers you to the world, so to speak. So sometimes when everything is going to hell in a handbasket, you've got a sense of purpose when you wake up and it propels you and compels you forward. So from a personal level, those are some of the benefits that one experiences by manifesting one's mission. And then from, and I just want to actually add a, uh, an example, you know, I often hear so many people who absolutely hate their jobs or they're bored, you know, and I just wanted to share uh, an example. I go and get my nails done at the same place with the same person and I get a French manicure every single time. And one day Jason was working on my nails and he didn't seem too good. And I, it was flu season and I'm thinking, well, maybe he's coming down with something. And so I asked him, you know, are you not feeling well? And he just chuckled and he said, you know, I'm really just bored. And when he said that, Lynn, it just landed on me. Because, uh, you know, I, it really touched my heart because I realized that in many ways he's, in essence, like a robot, you know, doing the same thing day in, day out for six days a week. And I can only imagine what that's like. And as human beings, we didn't come here to be robots and to be that sort of mechanical. And yet so many people find themselves in that position uh, trying to survive their uh, circumstances and the systems and structures that are currently in place. So that's what I mean by a deeply meaningful and fulfilling experience when you step into your mission. And then from a global or a worldly perspective, I really do believe that our missions, like for many people, our missions are solutions or what I call solutions to many of the world's challenges and woes. And from a global perspective, our missions are also here to help evolve us, to help evolve humanity. And so that is why from, you know, a personal perspective, from a global perspective, I do feel it is really important to manifest our missions. And in just one additional caveat, it doesn't mean that when you step into your mission, your life is suddenly free and clear from any challenges, right? You're still going to go through stuff and you're still going to go through lessons and learnings and whatever, but it it obviously does bring a, a whole new perspective and uh, to life when you manifest your mission. Wow, thank you. That's that's all so empowering to hear. And I love when you talk the story about Jason because I think so many people are caught in a life that they're doing because they they need to make ends meet but they're not 100% satisfied. And I love when you have just even spelled out all the benefits um, because it also helps me to see what the potential is if we have the courage to, to just choose to listen to whatever that voice is that is what we really want to do or who we really want to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I just um, thank you for that, and it just is really creates a great framework for for where we're going to continue to explore. 
And, and Lynn, I just so, wanted, I wanted to add one more thing. You said that the key word, and the key word is courage, if we have the courage to step into that. Because I really do think it takes courage. It's not necessarily an easy thing. But those who have endeavored to step into and listen to their calling and done that, you know, have done it with courage. And uh, I, I do believe that's what it takes. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Because I think that is really, really important because it doesn't just happen. It's when you put yourself out there and you really step in, that's when it's going to show up. So I, again, thank you for that list. It really is inspiring. Uh, So my question was when we were first talking about this is that it's very easy to... um, understand your mission if you decide to be a doctor or if you decide to be um, something specific um, because society actually can get behind you. But what my question is, is what are some of the ways that can be expressed? Because I can imagine there are some ways that are not as obvious, but where people really can make a contribution and I think it's important to state some of those things so people can kind of get the pat on the back so they can step forward. So what are some of the ways that mission can be expressed? So I just, before I answer that, I want to add a little caveat based on what you said about, you know, someone becoming a doctor. I do make a distinction between jobs, career, and then mission. And we're going to discuss that in in some future episode. So to me, there is a distinct difference. Everyone has a unique mission. Everyone has a unique contribution to make. But some of us are here to help with the environment, Right, and that by way of our missions, some of us have come here to help with the oceans. Other of uh, others of us have come to work maybe with men, maybe with women, maybe with children. Some are here to work with animals. Uh, some have come here to help us evolve technologically. I certainly am not that person because I'm not good with technology. Some of us have come here to uh, help us evolve spiritually or to help us evolve with the personal growth. Others have come here to help us heal. Others have come here to help us evolve politically or simply to inspire us by adding beauty and joy to the world you know, in, whatever form that, in, in whatever form that takes. So I hope that sort of gives you an idea. Oh, that really helps me. Um, it helps. It's exactly what I was um, looking for. And I love at the end where you even talk about being an artist because when I was growing up, it was all about, oh, you don't want to be an artist because, and I, again, I grew up in the in the 50s, so it was a long, long time ago when things were different. But I think having been an artist all my life, sometimes artists don't, really get, they have a personal journey that they're working on, but they don't get what a contribution they're making is. And so I love that your list really incorporates so many different fields and so many different um, just ways of expressing yourself. It's really important. And 
having been in the arts my so life my whole life it's really important to know that there is a place and that our expression really really matters so i thank you for that it's it's uh, a great great so, yeah, and I just wanted to, I wanted to add something to that. You know, some people come here with, I want to say, like a, a heavier mission. And some of the work they do is is not easy. It's quite challenging. It's quite heart-wrenching sometimes. And other people may have like a lighter expression. But there is room for each and every one of us, I believe, is needed in this world. And so when you talk about artists, artists inspire us, however they express themselves. Artists add beauty. Artists add joy. So so there is, we, we need everyone here, you know, not just the techies, not just the artists, everyone. We need everyone. Yeah, and it's it's uh, just, just for people to get that whatever it is that they're expressing, that it, it's, a, it's not only enough, but that it's really necessary. And even when you're talking about artists, just to bring joy or to bring inspiration Given where we are, what could be better than that? So I love your distinctions and how you're framing it between, yes, some people do the heavy lifting, but it's not all about that. We need every person and their contribution to create a a better world and to create a a better um, experience for us all. So I really appreciate that. So... Okay, so now um, I'd love to hear from you because I know you've done loads of research on this and you've done years and years of looking at case studies and looking at people's missions so that you could have a clear understanding of this. Um, But I think it would be very helpful if you could share examples of some people who have stepped into their mission and maybe share a little bit about where they started and where they are now or when they were, when they were if they're not alive, when they were truly doing what they came to do, just so people can get a sense of a pathway, um, a couple examples of some pathways to um, expressing your mission. Well, I'm going to give you several examples. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is Mother Teresa, and she was actually one of the people who inspired me to write this book. And Mother Teresa is someone who knew from a very young age that she wanted to be a nun. She knew that she was going to dedicate herself to God. And I, as a, a little aside, I want to talk about her mother for a moment. Mother Teresa came from a family of means, and her mother, Dranophile, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, maybe it's Dranophile, Dranophile, I believe it's an Albanian name, but she supported the poor. She adopted several orphans. She opened her family's table to the needy, and Dranophile would walk uh, a local circuit, distributing food and sometimes money to the needy. So here's little Mother Teresa with her mother watching and taking all of that in. And in essence, that is what Mother Teresa ended up doing, right, in her, in her mission. Mm-hmm. But so Mother Teresa becomes a, uh, becomes a nun, and she's in India, in Calcutta, and she's a headmistress, and she becomes ill. So they send her off to Darjeeling to recuperate and rest, and on her return... 
she hears, basically Christ appears to her and, and talks to her and says, I want you to work with the poorest of the poor. So for me, that's the defining moment for Mother Teresa. That is the moment that, that propelled her on her path of purpose, hearing that guidance from Christ. And it wasn't necessarily something that her mission didn't unfold overnight. It, it was a process for her because she continued to hear this um, guidance and she continued to have visions of Christ. And then she, Mother Teresa spoke to, um, uh, basically spoke to someone about it, um, a, an advisor, a spiritual advisor. And so she went through quite a process in order to really step into her mission. And then there came a, a moment when she was allowed to leave and she was given permission to set forth on her on her purpose. And really many people thought that she was nuts. Some of the priests referred to her as cracked. And, uh, you know, here was this, and she's a she was a petite woman. This petite woman left the confines and the safety of her convent to step into the unknown. It took a tremendous, from my perspective, a tremendous amount of courage, a tremendous amount of strength, a tremendous amount of fortitude and faith to step out there on her own and leave everything behind, the comfort of everything she had known. And I'm Indian. I've never been to India. But from the things that my friends and family have told me, those who have gone there for the first time have said that in as much as they loved it, it can also be incredibly assaulting to the senses. Right. So I look at this petite this petite woman stepping out there with just a, a, a sari and a, a Bible. She dawned on that uh, now famous, the white sari with the, with the blue stripes, which is what uh, her missionaries or charity were known for. And she went to a slum. And she basically told them that she would show up the next day to teach the children. And she wasn't sure if anyone would show up. But the next day, there were many, many children who showed up. Uh, to be taught by her and all she had Lynn was a stick and she rode in the mud and that's how this woman started Um, and at the very end of it right Mother Teresa ended up with over uh, 600 foundations um, uh, in active in 133 countries in in every continent with uh, you know, and then she she won the Nobel Peace Prize Uh, she became St. Teresa of Calcutta And, uh, you know, obviously when she started her mission, when she said yes to the call, she didn't know that any of that would happen. There are no guarantees. There are no bells or whistles saying, well, if you do that, you're going to win the Nobel Peace Prize or, you know, world leaders are going to come and talk to you. She just followed the guidance and that's what she did. And that's why she is so inspiring to me. So we are coming up to our break right now. And uh, so we're going to take a short break. You are listening to the Mission Possible program on voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, in conversation with Lynn Fisher, my guest host, and we are talking about mission and purpose. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment are you satisfied with your life do you know that more should be possible 
Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the creators of Access, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here. Our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now. What if all of life could come to you with ease, joy, and glory? Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you tired of your job? Do you feel like you were meant for more? Would you like to live life on your terms? You can when you actualize your true calling. You can be financially sustainable. You can live a meaningful life. You can love what you do. Even make a difference and leave a luminous legacy. Drawing from over a decade's worth of research, her immense wisdom and cross-cultural life experience, Carol Ann guides, encourages, and inspires individuals to awaken to their purpose and actualize their life's mission. For those seeking to deepen their understanding and learn more, please visit carolann.global. For information about programs, coaching, and local workshops, or to purchase her book, Mission Possible, A Guide to Discovering Your True Calling, or to invite Carol Ann to speak at your event, please visit carolann.global. Again, that's carolann.global. Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E is an amazing way to help you be you. Join host Dr. Deborah Egerton as she helps you to see how exploring the Enneagram helps you understand why you do the things you do. Understanding yourself can strengthen relationships, offer new perspectives, and help you live the life you were intended to live. You'll look at different aspects of your life in a whole new light. Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E is broadcast live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Mission Possible Program. To reach Carol Ann Fernandez or her guest on today's program, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd like to send an email, the email address is radiomissionpossible at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mission Possible program. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, in conversation with Lynn Fisher, my guest co-host. And we are discussing mission and purpose, as outlined in my book, Mission Possible, How to Step into Your True Calling. So, Lynn, we were in the process of, I was in the process of talking about or giving examples of people who have stepped into their true calling, from my perspective. And I just shared with you about Mother Teresa, And the next person that I wanted to talk about was uh, someone that I know. Her name is Marie Da Silva. And Marie is from Malawi, which is where I was born. And Marie, I believe uh, about 18 members of her family had died from AIDS. And Marie came to the U.S. and she was a nanny for many years. And I believe her last uh, gig as a nanny was with uh, talk show host Ricky Lake. And Marie found out one day that there was an orphanage near her mother's home in Malawi that was closing down. And this was an orphanage for uh, AIDS 
AIDS orphans, really, and they had nowhere to go. So she pleaded with her mother to open their home to these kids. And she promised her mother that she would provide the funds for these kids. And Marie thought at the time that it would be easy to get a grant or a scholarship or something, some form of monies. But she really found it quite challenging. Interestingly enough, it was the other nannies who banded around her and and also provided funds for those children. And Marie was living in L.A. And we all know how expensive L.A. is to live on a nanny salary and then to try and send money back home to Malawi. But she continued to do that. And that's how it started. And she said, you know, the kids sat on the floor. They painted one of the rooms in the house black so the kids would have something to write on. And today, uh, Marie is, she was a CNN, she became a CNN hero. She now has what started off with a just a handful of orphans is now more than 400 orphans. And Marie's foundation, which is called the Jacaranda Foundation, now provides these children with free education because education is not free in Malawi, primary and secondary education. So she provides them with free education. She provides them with daily meals. They are getting AIDS education classes. They are being taught agricultural activities, and she also provides them with uh, college scholarships. You know, she was sharing with me a story one day, Lynn, when I was uh, visiting with her, and she told me about a young boy, and I'm thinking he was like seven or eight. His parents had died. He was now living with his uncle, and he would walk several miles a day to a hospital to get meds to survive and one day he comes back home and his uncle is gone so he was abandoned yet again but he made his way to Marie's place he made his way to the Jacaranda Foundation and she was just telling me how amazing these kids are you know the again the resilience the strength the courage in terms of what they have gone through and uh, she says And this is Marie's quote, I feel that if you give them the tools, they can be somebody. And that is my mission. And she certainly is giving them the tools. And those kids want to give back. Those kids have dreams. They're wanting to do better for their country, for their people. And that's what she's doing. And, you know, if you look at Marie, you know, everything prepared her to pull this off. You know, she's she's been working with kids you know, as a nanny for many, many, many years. And then when the time was right, that was her defining moment when that orphanage shut down and propelled her on this path of looking after these kids. And they have been growing and expanding. I believe she's now building libraries across the country. And I also believe that there are other countries that are wanting to replicate what she has done, you know, in the grassroots level. And she's really making a difference. You know, that's one woman working with children. Mother Teresa was working with, you know, the poorest of the poor. And, um, you know, they are, they are an inspiration to, to me. You know, many of these people I consider my heroes. And then, I, you know, Marie's working with kids. I want to share a story that I just learned about this person. And this is on a local level. This individual, this male, I believe at the age of 11 or 13, was taken to a curb by his mother and he was left there. She basically abandoned him. And I don't know what he went through in terms of his childhood experiences or how he survived. What I do know is that now he is disabled, 
but he has adopted over 32 foster children. That's his life. That's his mission. And it's based on everything that he has gone through. And how beautiful is that? He's working with kids. He's doing it on a local level. No one may ever know about him except for the foster kids that he's working with, their families, their children, and what a difference he has made in their lives. You know, where some of these kids were thinking about suicide, wanting to die, and here's this man with this big heart who just gives his all to these kids. He drives Lyft and Uber, and and yet he's doing everything he can to support these kids, provide for these kids, and make sure they flourish because he never had a family. So to me, that's an example of someone who's living his mission and helping on a local level. Wow. Such incredible um, stories. Um, uh, it's it, The one thing that comes through in all of in the two stories you've shared, and I know you have a lot more, is just that um, a lot of times when people talk about mission, they talk about it like it's this magical thing that happens. You know, find your purpose, find your mission. And what I can see from these stories, that it really comes from a place of trying to create meaning in your life, to do something that's meaningful. And it's a, it's it's finding a path that takes a lot of passion, courage, courage, courage and tenacity. It's not a magical thing. And that if we keep leaning into it, that our souls or whatever it is will guide us along the way. And the other thing you were saying, I loved when you were talking about how with um, with Marie, how the other nannies were supporting us, supporting her, how important it is to just have people around that are going to be your cheerleaders along the way. So I love your, love these stories. And if you have more to share, uh, I'm sure the audience would love to hear, hear them. Yes. One or two other ones. Yes, I have a few more that I'd like to share, but there are a couple of things I want to say in regards to what you just shared. One is that there is, to me, when you say this mission, it's not magical. I, I don't believe it is magical, but I do believe that that life prepares us for it. Life is our resume, just like Mother Teresa with her mother. Her mother was basically showing this little kid, you know, not that she knew that, but was really preparing her. Uh, same with Marie, working with kids, working as a nanny till she finally opens this foundation. But for everyone, what I saw is there is a defining moment that propels us on a path us and compels us on our path of purpose. It brings our mission into focus. And what I've also found in my research is that when you do step into your mission, when the time is right, the right people will show up. So in the case of Mother Teresa, as an example, she was a teacher. She was a headmistress. When she first started her um, missionaries of charity, as she called them, the very first people to step forward and help her were her students. You know, they were right there, right there ready to support us. So we're, we're always carried. Spirit is always there. The um, I call them um, the people, the right people show up to help us pull off our missions. And that has already been, from my perspective, predetermined. 
It's but the timing has to be there. So the next person that I want to talk about is a woman by the name of Sherry Tippy. And and again, you know, I want to say all these people are they're not larger than life. They're just regularly regular ordinary people like you and I who step into their true calling. So Sherry Tippy was a dance teacher and a hairdresser. And one day she's watching some television clips about the Aurora wildlife officials who are killing beavers that were felling trees on a golf course. And and Sherry says she never thought of beavers. She never saw a beaver. She knew nothing about beavers. So it's not like she was like an animal, had a passion for beavers, but something inside of her sat up. And she marched on down to the Aurora Wildlife Division and she asked to borrow their traps, you know, and they obviously didn't take her seriously. I think they handed her like a couple of new traps. They didn't even show her how to use it. They figured maybe she'd, you know, tire off it. It wouldn't figure it out and just give up. But she actually went home and in her apartment, she figured out how to use these traps. And the next morning, they say that she was cuddling her first beavers. And her life was forever changed from that moment. That has become her mission. Sherry relocates beavers. She She's a, a leading life trapper. And she re- relocates beavers. She loves them. You know, there are pictures of her, you know, kissing them, hugging them. And beavers are so important to our ecosystem. You know, if humanity could only get that, but she does. And that's why she is so valuable. She is so needed. And she's doing amazing work. And uh, she teaches people how to do that. She uh, talks to people. She educates people. And uh, just... Uh, that's where her heart lies. And from my perspective, I'm an animal lover. You're an animal lover. I'm grateful that there's someone like a Sherry Tippy who's doing what she's doing. And along the same lines, Lynn, you and I both love um, pit bulls and parolees. And Tia Torres is another example of that, right? She Throughout her life, she was always around uh, around animals. And so you see that thread in her life, unlike Sherry Tippy, who didn't have that thread. But there's that defining moment for Sherry Tippy when she sees on TV these beavers being killed. That's the defining moment for her. For Tia Torres, she was rescuing, I believe it was wolves, a wolf um, breeds. Right. And then she, you know, they have, there's a little um, uh, pit bull that um, they had rescued, that someone else, the, the department had rescued, and it got free. And it r- runs over to her toddlers who are sitting there, and she couldn't get to her toddlers on time. And the dog starts licking these two girls. And um, and from then on, that that was the defining moment for Tia Torres when she starts focusing on on the pit bulls. And you and I have both watched that show. We've talked about it. You know, I'm so grateful that there's someone like her who is really rescuing the pit bulls. But again, that was her defining moment that propelled her on her path. And that's not an easy path. It's a, it's a lot of work. It's heart wrenching. And uh, but it's so meaningful. It's so touching to those of us who are animal lovers. And uh, I'm just really grateful. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting watching it because I watch every episode and have watched every episode, and you can feel the spirit that they have and how hard the work is. And there's something. 
that drives them beyond the work because there's so many times where Tia and her daughters will say, I, you know, we, it's too hard. You have to put so much into it and they can't do it anymore. And then they rescue one pit bull or they save one pit bull and they get the energy right back again and they are committed for life. And it's just, so inspiring to peop- to see people like that and the other people that you've talked about that just have found this place where they want to serve. It's so, so, so important and so inspiring. And again, there's that defining moment, and we'll talk about that in another episode, but there's always a defining moment that propels people on their path. So that those are the clues that people need to attend to, to be aware of, to start looking at their lives, because in as much as you may be looking for your mission, your mission is looking for you. And when it finds you, it's never going to let go of you. You might pretend it's not there, you may stick your head in the sand, but your mission is there, and it's waiting. Right. Okay. Do you wanna do you want to move on and we can save some of these stories for later later um later sure. episodes? Sure. Okay. So I'm really faced with this and we all are, but um what I'm aware of is how challenging it is right now in the world and how People, including myself and you, are doing our best to cope, to survive, to deal with all the issues, the health issues, the environmental issues, the political issues, the financial issues, the equality issues. The list goes on and on. Um, And we're just trying to get through the day and stay afloat and just have some little piece of joy. Can you share more about how stepping into our missions collectively or individually can really make a difference in this, in the bigger scheme of things? So, uh, again, you you mentioned some of the things, right? So we are, from my perspective, facing enormous challenges. I've talked about some of this on a previous episode. But going down the list, right, we have global warming. We have the acidifications of our ocean, coral reefs dying, glaciers melting, right? We've got the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, which is the largest collection of floating trash, it lies between Hawaii and California. Our oceans are full of plastic. We're now finding micro particles of plastic in all our water supplies in major cities. Scientists tell us we've got the sixth mass extinction. Billions of animals are leaving the, pa- the planet. We've got collapse off the bee colonies. The bees are integral in terms of our food supply. Butterflies are disappearing. They are also pollinators and are signs of a healthy ecosystem. And now lately we've had a study that shows that insects are dying off at an alarming rate. 30 million or so insects um, now threatened with extinction. And then in the past, this is another study, in the past 50 years, North America has lost 3 billion birds. And we can keep going down the list. There's, there are many, many challenges. 
So locally, we're looking at, well, it's actually globally, we are also looking at um, some of the shifts that are going on on the planet in terms of artificial intelligence coming down the pike. So according to Gallup, we're going to be losing as many as 40%, 47% of jobs will be replaced within the next 20 years to AI. We also have a gig economy. And while you know the main drivers of the gig economy were, were freedom and flexibility, the downside is the unpredictable income, the high health care and insurance costs, high taxes, to name just a few. And then we also have massive student debt. And, um, you know, I was just listening to someone, an author by the name of Ann Kim, who's written a book called Abandoned America's Lost Youth and the Crisis of Disconnection. And she was saying that there's 4.5 million young people between the ages of 16 and 24 who are not in school and working. So, We have many disenfranchised kids in the foster care system, in the juvenile detention and prison systems, and in rural areas. So we are facing a lot of challenges. And then, as I mentioned earlier in our conversation, you know, Gallup uh, has done a lot of polling on, on work, and they talk about, um, so there are people who strongly hate their jobs, and there are people who are strongly disengaged at work, meaning they're just trying to get by, just trying to get that, that paycheck. And Gallup says it's about 67% of people or higher. And then globally, uh, the people who are unhappy at the workplace are about 87%. And people who are unhappy at work tend to have the Monday morning blues. They tend to smoke more, have higher levels of obesity. They tend to be diagnosed with several chronic illnesses, including high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes. They tend to experience stress, anger, and worry. And so it has long-term effects on our health. There was an author by the name of David Graeber from the London School of Economics, and he wrote a book called Bullshit Jobs, a Theory. And in it, he states, in addition to depression, stress, and anxiety, bullying, harassment, and ill treatment of fellow co-workers is often the result of meaningless, pointless, bullshit jobs. So this is what we're faced with. So from my perspective, Lynn, this is to me the perfect storm. We as humanity are being required to actualize our missions, to activate our greater potential, to use our gifts, talents, and capacities in service to the great to the creation of a just, kind, sustainable work, work world that works for all. From my perspective, we are seeing the death of an old paradigm. We've got systems and structures the world over that are no longer serving the greater good of humanity. And, you know, it's holding on for dear life. But I also feel like there's the emergence or birthing of a new paradigm. A new world is possible. And we are all here to participate in that. We are all here to, again, use our gifts and talents and call forward that world, that just kind world. So to me, the greatest resource is, you know, are not diamonds or the oil or, you know, gold, etc. The greatest resource is the potential found in each and every human being and the gifts and benefits we are to the world. So that's what I have to say about mission and purpose. And we're actually coming to the end of our program, Lynn. Thank oh, you for... Wow, it went so fast. Yeah, so thank you for joining me today. It's been a joy. It's been a pleasure. 
Is there anything else I'm that you want to add? Continue the conversation. Yeah. I yes. I just wanted to say thank you. You're so inspiring, and it gives me so much hope for humanity to envision a world where each of us are living our greater potential, where we're standing in our own brilliance and sharing our gifts as a whole. I'm so grateful for your passion, your commitment, your sensitivity, and willingness to support people on their path and finding their true north and what they're here to do. It's so important and so needed, something that I've been longing for and everyone I know has been longing for as well. It's people like you that are really going to help us create this live this new paradigm and create the world that is the the better world that's possible. And I really look forward to continuing this conversation with you and letting you share more of your wisdom because I know we've just hit the tip of the iceberg. Yes, we have. Yes, and thank so you for thank sharing you. that. Yeah, thank okay. you so much for sharing that because this is obviously very heartfelt for me. This is my mission. This is my purpose. And, um, you know, and I love it when people step into their calling. They inspire me and give me hope as well because, as you've mentioned, there's so many challenges. There's so much negativity. But, but I believe we can do different and we need each other. We need each we, other to support and hold each other through this through this crazy time. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Right. So to the rest of our audience, keep gathering the clues to your mission possible. This week I'd like you to reflect on the following. See if you can find a thread or threads running through your throughout your life. What part does it play in your mission? And if anyone has any questions about mission and purpose, please email me at radiomissionpossible.com. Again, please uh, email me at radiomissionpossible.com. I'm your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, and I will leave you with this quote by Oprah Winfrey. You have a gift that only you can give the world. That's the only reason you're on the planet. Use your precious energy to build a magnificent life. The miracle of your existence calls for celebration every day. This has been the Mission Possible program. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to Mission Possible program. Please join your host, Carol Ann Fernandez, for another edition of the program next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until the next show, we wish you the best week ahead.